Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, July 14th, 2016, so we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I'm joined by Motley Fool analyst and one-man snappy dresser and newly married Mr. Taylor Muckerman. How's it going, man? It's it's married. Wonderful. Absolutely. Welcome to Best the land of, of uh, uh, matrimony and bliss yeah. and all that. <laughs> Thank you. I um, appreciate it. So, Long time uh, coming. This was in Portugal. It was. Wow. Hence the jersey today. I yeah, didn't get to wear are, it on Monday because I was still there. Well, they just won too. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, representing. Um, good time, obviously. Best time of my life. Really? Really. Wow. That is what you want to hear from yeah. a guy after he gets married. I, mean, I keep having flashbacks. Yeah. Like withdrawal. Why did you come back? You could have been a- Yeah, I had to, right? Work. right. I love the Motley Fool. Touche. Um, we need to have your wife on the show now. That's We'll talk to her about it. If you want to talk event planning or weddings or oh, bar and bar mitzvahs, <laughs> she's a, she'll be your girl. What could we? She could be on the CG show because that's a big market. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Um, so you've been gone for how many weeks? Two, three? I was out of the office for. I two forgot and what a you half. looked like. <laughs> I was out of the office for two and a half, but uh, I was completely off the grid for a week and a half. Got it. Um, you missed some. You missed some. I stuff. missed a couple episodes. Yeah, you missed a couple episodes. Seems like it carried um, on without me. Now that you're back, um, okay. So lots to cover today. We're actually gonna we. We have to talk about this Tesla autopilot crash um, that happened down in Florida last month. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that, we have Motley Fool Senior Auto Specialist joining us. But uh, first, Taylor, since you're back, we've got to talk about uh, what Kinder Morgan's been up to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, a couple different stories coming out of their camp lately. Their CEO, Steve Keen, um, I don't know, this guy's got a private jet, I'm sure, but uh, he's been pretty active I don't active know. Lately. Kinder Morgan, they don't have private jets. Cut. Oh, they don't? No, that's one of the big things. Oh, that's they like the... Have, yeah. Well, he's, he's a billionaire, right? Like, well, Steve Keen, no. he. Um, oh, he's K- the CEO, he's the CEO, founder. Rich right. Kinder is the billionaire, yeah. yeah. He has the private jet. Yep. Steve Keen, uh, I actually interviewed him at when he was the chief operating officer down in their Houston office a few years back and uh, seen him obviously yeah. take the next step and, and is the CEO now. So, can't wait to get your thoughts on this. Um, hit the wires last week. Kinder Morgan lined up the sale of, correct me if I'm wrong, half a pipeline that they own in the Southeast United States. Well, they own 50%, so they sold their whole Oh, stake. sold the whole yep. rest of it. Okay. Yep. Um, to the other owner, which was Southern Company. Um, and it netted KMI $1.5 billion. Um, what was interesting to me about this was the second it happened, everybody was like, oh, their financial troubles are over. They're going to be able to increase the dividend and all that stuff. Um, I was not wowed by the size of this deal. I, no, yeah, compared to their debt load of over $40 billion, it's, it, it's like $49 billion. Yeah, it's like 3.5%. Pretty substantial. Um, just about the same, more and more than their actual market cap uh, is what their debt load is looking like. Um, and this is something we've seen out of the company over the last month or so. That This is just one of multiple pipelines that they've sold completely out of or an interest into another company. And they've also shelved um, multiple projects that they were thinking about moving forward with, um, just based on the on the fact that they didn't have as much um, buy-in from from natural gas suppliers to to flow through these pipelines. So the returns that they were expecting weren't justified. They weren't there. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, maybe back a few years ago during the heyday of Kinder Morgan spending a ton of money, they might have accepted a lower return, expecting that they could then fill the rest of the the contracted amount that you could actually flow through but now 
they're a little bit more hesitant because maybe they've reached their peak or maybe even gone beyond the peak of how big they actually should be. Right. So the sale was announced, and it did not take long for um, Keen to come out and say that the company was very close, those are his words, to being able to reward shareholders via dividends or share buybacks. Um, does it seem to you like he's jumping the gun there because the proceeds, as I you know mentioned, represent three and a half percent, three point seven percent of their total debt load. Mm-hmm. Um, the proceeds are just a little bit more than the company's entire free cash flow last year, mm-hmm. one point three billion dollars. Um, the dividend previously cost four billion dollars before they cut it. Right. They they do have some projects. They just got approved for that four billion dollar project for the uh, tar sands mm-hmm. up in Canada. I was like, you, you you feel like a big swinger now again? Like I don't. <laughs> uh, maybe on the share buyback side, but I don't know if a dividend. Which I is, could see the yeah. argument for. It's down a bunch and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I was just like, really? Like what? I don't know if I could justify if I was the CEO raising the dividend. It's still right. paying uh, right around a two and a half percent yield. So it's not, you know, it's not a terrible yield. It's not, definitely not in the four to seven and a half percent range as it, it kind of bounced back and forth in between. A couple of years ago, before they cut the dividend by seventy five percent last year, but you know, I don't know. It seems a little bit too early because even the energy industry hasn't fully recovered, much less Kinder Morgan itself. Right, and not only that, but um, this doesn't because they, I, I, you know, went back through Capital IQ and just looked at their on um, their cash flow statement. I just looked at the lines for um, debt issuances and debt uh, uh, debt issuances and debt uh, retirements. Mm-hmm. They roll over ten billion dollars worth of debt every year, and they've done that for the last five years. Mm-hmm. So this. I, that's business as usual, and that's fine. That's kind of what these MLP and uh, pipeline operators do. But I just, again, I just don't, could not see why the one and a half billion dollars made that big of a difference. Yeah, I don't. It's you're right. It's just kind of a blip on the radar. But and they've also kind of been downgraded in the credit sphere. So it'd be interesting to see right how what what interest rates they get as the next tranche of debt yeah, retires. Yeah, that's actually a good point. We probably. I'd be interested to see. Yeah, I, they haven't hit the debt markets again, from what I know. Yeah, so, not off the top of my head have I yeah. seen that either. Um, so after selling this uh, half of the pipeline, Stephen Keen then attended a conference uh, hosted by the EIA, the Energy uh, Information Agency, mm-hmm. um, where he said, "This is interesting." He's obviously talking his own book, which he should do. But um, he talked about. Uh, the ability of renewable energy sources to fulfill our energy needs is overblown, and we will need natural gas. Uh, he noted that environmentalists used to love natural gas, but have since said that it's no good because it too contributes to greenhouse gas emissions. Um, I actually looked into this point. Um, do you know the carbon emissions that happen from natural gas and stuff? Off yeah. the top of your- oh, you do? No, I don't know. I, oh. I know that it happens, especially oh, yeah, during the production process as well with, with flaring and whatnot. Right. So, um, I actually went to the EIA's website. They published this sort of thing. Um, pounds of CO2 emitted per million British thermal units, BTUs of energy for various fuels. Um, anthracite coals, 228.6 million. Um, diesel fuels, 161. Gasolines, 157. And at about half of coal is natural gas at mm-hmm. 117. That's not, I mean, it's better. It's the best one on the list, but. It's still not a fossil fuel. Yeah, yeah, it's still a fossil line. fuel. Um, but especially in America, you look, you look at other countries that are uh, like Canada, for instance. Sixty percent of their power comes from hydropower, and they it's that, that high that allows them to export the majority of the fossil fuels that they actually 
extract out of the ground, mainly to the United States. Um, so we're a big we're a big purchaser of natural gas, not only from Canada but from from other countries as well. Europe is still very reliant on natural gas, so it's going to be necessary for these big economies. So you agree with them? I, um, I don't know how long it's going to be like this major need for baseload power because if you look at like in Portugal where I was for my wedding, wind power is everywhere, solar power is gaining steam. They actually had four day four consecutive days in May this year that 100% of the energy used or electricity used in the country was produced by renewable energy. Wow. So, yeah. you see countries like that, Germany, very, very high up on the wind scale. Um, Denmark, uh, like I think almost 50% of their power comes from wind. So, there are countries out there that are that are way ahead of the game in terms of renewable energy sources, but you're still talking about you know less than 50% in most cases from renewable right. sources. So, um, if you want... It's the lesser of, of, of evils, is what yeah. I'm trying to say, in terms of coal or oil or natural gas for electricity generation, and it's and it's plentiful. So uh, I know you're a huge bull on you know just natural gas pipelines for the reasons that you mentioned. Um, Maybe not the 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 construction of more, but just right. the use but of existing. Them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, so what do you think of shares of uh, KMI these days? You know they've they've come back since their since their lows just along with the industry and they were punished um, a little bit more than most because of the dividend cut and, and all the news around that. But uh, uh, the Motley Fool right now in general is feeling pretty good about it. A lot it. of people it was, in this building uh, do like it. It was uh, a yeah. stock advisor, Best Buy now from Tom's side of the scorecard uh, the first of July and then a week later David named it as a Best Buy now on his side of the scorecard and stock advisor. So um, it's a company that. It seems to have taken some steps. Maybe people's tone changes a little bit if they decide to hike the dividend mm -hmm. um, a little bit too early, um, because then they could be right back where they were just a few months ago in, in retracing their steps. So I'd be. I'm, it's an interesting story to follow, and it's one that the Molly Fool does um, believe in. Awesome. Yeah. So for our next segment, um, as I mentioned, we had to talk about uh, this autopilot death. That's it seems like it's at the top of my Google News feed every day. Um, so joining us to talk about it is Motley Fool senior auto specialist John Rosevear. How is it going, John? It's going well, and we've got a lot to talk about today. Yeah, so let's dive in. Um, so just kind of rehash: um, Tesla owner named Joshua Brown died in a collision in May seventh with a eighteen-wheeler tractor-trailer down in Florida. Um, but I wanted to actually take a step back, and can you take us to school and tell us what the heck is autopilot? Okay, autopilot is and and it's essentially an enhanced cruise control. Um, it's a set of several driver assistance systems that together work like an enhanced cruise control. It uses cameras, radar, ultrasonic sensors, and some fancy Tesla software. Uh, in Tesla words, what it does is automatically steer down the highway, change lanes, and adjust speed in response to traffic. It's intended to, and again, these are Tesla words, help the car avoid hazards and reduce the driver's workload. So it's not really a self-driving system. It's kind of one step past sort of the latest and greatest uh, uh, adaptive cruise control and lane-keeping systems you might get on really any mainstream luxury car and even even some some more mass-market models. I mean, right. you can load up a Ford Fusion with most of this stuff, for instance. There's an idea right there. Yeah, um, so. Did you read that uh, Dan Sparks piece last year where he, he he drove like what sixty or ninety miles? Do you remember Taylor uh, on in his yep. Tesla in Colorado? I did, I, I did, and and you know he's far from the only one doing doing this kind of stuff, and that's kind of 
the issue. It's it's you know Tesla will tell you officially you're not supposed to take your hands off the wheel, uh, but Tesla owners are are. You know, early adopters. Just uh, check YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, they have access to webcams, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all out there. It really is. Um, so can you run down really quick just um, the basic details of the uh, the accident? Okay. So uh, this gentleman, Mr. Joshua Brown, he was 40 years old in Florida, owned a Tesla Model S. Uh, on May 7th, he was uh, cruising at some speed, uh, at, on, on a road in Florida, and a tractor trailer made an, a left turn in front of him. Uh, it appears that his car never slowed down and hit the trailer broadside uh, with very bad results. Um, essentially, essentially, the top of the car was sheared off. I've oh, seen wow. pictures of it. Yeah. Uh, poor Mr. Brown. Um, our condolences to his family, etc. That, that was a really nasty one. Uh, Tesla uh, was not able, they say, to access the car remote, the car's computer remotely because of the damage. They eventually sent an investigator to Florida to look at it, uh, took all of the data from the car that they could download, took it home to headquarters, processed it, and and discovered in late May that autopilot was engaged. Um, they had reported it to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration sometime before. Uh, they gave them that information, and then towards the end of June, uh, the federal agency said they were opening an investigation into this, and that's when Tesla disclosed it. Got it. So um, this actually was occurred before that big stock raise that uh, Tesla did at the end of May. We're not going to talk too much about that. Obviously, that's up in the air, and you, you, we spend days going to sleep talking about uh, SEC disclosure rules. Um, so what's going on with the investigations? Because obviously, this is the of, of note. This is the first major death that I've you know heard of for a driverless or semi-driverless system. It, it is it is the first major death. It is the first um, accident, fatal accident, in which a system that does this much uh, is implicated. Uh, certainly the first one for Tesla's autopilot system, which is really, like I said, a bit of a step ahead of everybody else, mostly because uh, it will steer for you. It will change lanes uh, automatically, which, which the other systems will not yet do. Uh, it, What's going on? The investigation's in fairly early stages. Uh, the Na National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, uh, which is part of the Department of Transportation, it's the main uh, safety regulator when it comes to cars in the U.S., uh, they sent Tesla a letter earlier earlier this week or at the end of last week uh, demanding a whole ton of information. Basically, they want to know details uh, for every car you've sold in the U.S. with autopilot enabled uh, when have the various safety systems been employed? When is it? Oh, wow. When and how many times have they had to brake automatically? Uh, remind the when does when and how many times has it had to remind the owner to put the hands on the wheel? Uh, what percentage of the mile mile miles miles is, 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 uh, that the car has been down under autopilot, et cetera, et cetera? And they want it all in a spreadsheet, <laughs> you know, and they want it all uh, soon. Uh, so Tesla's going to have to do that. And and I think uh, this is the first time that the federal government has tried to really grapple uh, with a system that's actually shipping. I mean, they've been talking about setting rules and guidelines going forward with self-driving systems as we move toward that. But Tesla shipped this thing, uh, and, and it's out there. And there's something like 70,000 cars out there with this uh, system operational that have activated autopilot. Uh, so, and now the feds are coming in and saying, okay, we need to take a look at this and maybe start to set some rules and give some guidance and maybe put some limits on what Tesla's done. Yeah. So Taylor, what did you think when you first heard about the story and then the stock operating and all that? Yeah. Um, 
my first thought was that it's already been scaled back to some degree because last year people, like we mentioned, YouTube videos of people climbing into the back seat of their oh Tesla, um, leaving the driver's seat completely empty on the highway. Is that a ghost riding a whip thing? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, and so Elon Musk actually came out in the public um, public sphere and, and kind of voiced his opinion of humans aren't necessarily shouldn't be trusted just yet with fully autonomous cars. So I believe they scaled back a little bit on what they had um, made available to folks in terms of the vehicle capabilities. Um, I'm still, I, I am a big believer that autonomous driving is going to be, is going to, you know, take place in the next yeah. one or two decades. Yeah. I hope it does. Um, but this is obviously proof that we're just not quite ready for it to be fully autonomous. And maybe there just needs to be a little bit more um, training or, or instruction involved in how to use it. Uh, but then again, t- Elon Musk isn't riding shotgun with every single person with the Tesla. So there right. has to be some level of trust involved with the purchaser and their decision making. Um, unfortunately, humans are humans and um, we all operate a little bit differently when it comes to this. So, John, you know um, a a bunch of auto executives and just players in the industry. What has been your feel for the rest of the auto industry's opinion about what happened and you know the advent of driverless cars and what it's going to take to prove viability of actually having a driverless automobile? Well, first of all, if you go to a big automaker and you talk to the people who are doing their self-driving research and development and so forth. And they all uh, are. And, and you get them away from a camera. If they aren't, they won't be a car company for long. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's that's mostly true. And you get them away from a camera and you start asking them, they say, Tesla, release this thing too early. It's crazy. To, I mean, it's a beta system. Uh, you know, the transitions between the different parts of the system uh, – aren't seamless it's a, it's a beta system it's got it's got holes in it as you'd expect and you know there there's a concept here with cars that have partial self-driving capability uh, about handoff and the handoff problem they call it meaning that when the car goes bing driver you need to take over it takes several seconds for somebody who's maybe been reading a book or whatever to sort of refocus on the task at hand just like te- just like of, texting and driving i mean yeah. that's the main and those, the crux of that whole right. issue is that you think you can look up fast enough, but you still got to catch your bearings. Right. And that few seconds right. could mean right. the difference between life and death. Yes. Right. But the thing is, I mean, the thinking is they got to build this into the system to anticipate this. Wow. So that, you know, so that the car, you know, gives you enough time to, to switch your attention back to the road. Uh, this is something that Consumer Reports talked about. They came out this morning and said, you know, we think Tesla needs to dial this down. Um, and they had a bunch of concerns, which we can talk about. But, but I mean, that that's kind of the issue. It, it's it, We aren't going to get to full autonomy for years yet. I mean, it's going to take billions of miles of testing. It's really going to take cars that talk to each other, super detailed maps of roads, all of that to get fully autonomous cars. But we will see... Uh, you know, and Tesla's this Tesla's autopilot is maybe the first sort of rough step in that direction. There will be many more over the next few years. Partial autonomy systems, systems that will automate highway driving. Um, but again, when when you when you talk to the big companies and the people working on these, uh, there's a lot more care going into this. Uh, then, then they think Tesla put into it. It's possible, you know. It, it's possible that Tesla would come back and say, "Hey, we put a lot of care into it." And they, yeah. And they they would say that, uh, but you know, more concern around around the handoff points when you hand it back to the driver, uh, making sure everything works seamlessly, making sure you really have enough sensors. I know that um, 
you know, there was an industry insider blog that published some quotes from Toyota engineers shortly after autopilot started shipping where they said, we don't really think Tesla has the sensors on the car to be. Doing- <laughs> no, no, hear me out. Lane changing safely. Oh. That, that they need, you know, several different radar sensors or a LIDAR sensor, uh, stuff that isn't really commercially available yet to do this. And they're like, we're, you know, even when we get the sensors, which is probably going to be a couple years from now, we're not even going to ship it for a while because we got to test it, test it, test it, test it, test it. Well, that kind of makes uh, sense based on the story, right? Because Tesla's basically saying that the car couldn't discern whether it was a truck or just a bright sky, right? Because it was a white, yeah. it was a white tractor trailer. Yes, right. That they've got radar and 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 other systems, a camera system looking forward, and then it was confused because yep. it's a white tractor trailer. Um, to which, uh, you know, I've had people in Detroit texting me over the last couple of days saying, are you kidding me? You know, but, but yeah. sure enough, <laughs> the system missed it. Right. Yep. And, and this is where we say there's a system called LIDAR that uses, uh, that bounces lasers off things to, to give uh, a car or some other vehicle a, a very detailed view of its environment at all times. Uh, a lot of the automakers say LIDAR systems are key to real self-driving cars. And there's a lot of effort going into developing better ones, more affordable ones and so forth that can be installed. Uh, Elon Musk says, we don't need LIDAR. We can, you know, make up the difference with software and really good maps and so forth. And and there's some question now as to whether he might have to rethink that before going any further with autopilot. Got it. So uh, before we wrap up here, bottom line, I guess we can just go around the table. Is this, a, is, is this critical for Tesla? Is it, do I need to run and sell any shares that I fictionally own? <laughs> um, I'll take the first step so we can let John close yeah. us out. But um, personally, I don't think so. It's something that Tesla could cease for at least a time being because mm-hmm. these updates can all be done um, over the, over the over the Wi-Fi in your own home. But uh, I don't think it's if you look at Volkswagen, for instance, yeah, they're not getting killed and they have to re- pay fifteen billion dollars. Exactly. So if I mean, granted, they're a much larger company, but um, this can be fixed. I I feel much easier than. Um, something that Volkswagen or Toyota with their braking issues a year or two ago had to deal with. So I don't think this is any reason to sell the stock. Got it. Yeah, I um the other fact that correct me if I'm wrong anybody. Um my understanding is the guy was actually watching a movie when he sh- We d- we don't know that for sure. Okay, all right. There, so there was a DVD in the car or something like that. We don't all, know that for sure. I'll back off of that point. But um, yeah. I just uh, to to Taylor's point, it definitely does seem like this isn't critical. But um, I I would like to see some uh, credence given to public opinion and maybe dialing some of this back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Tesla needs a little bit more answers other than the car got confused between a truck and a and then saying car. do the math. Yeah. Like you know. Anyway, and uh, John. <laughs> Um, I think this is growing pains. I mean, Tesla is this scrappy Silicon Valley startup. And as they get bigger, I mean, they're becoming a car company. And, and you know, the other big automakers are like, okay, guys, if you're going to be a big car company, you got to play like a big car company. You got to test like a big car company. You got to, you know, approach the regulators like a big car company. So this is a lot of what I'm hearing from people in the industry. Is this going to kill Tesla? Absolutely not. Uh, will the NHTSA come back and say, okay, you got to do more or less what Consumer Reports is calling you for, calling on you to do, which is, for instance, disable the auto steering function until you can make sure people are keeping their hands on the steering wheel. 
well, uh, and maybe stop calling it autopilot because it's not really an autopilot. That yet. is a little misleading. <laughs> yeah, it could be a little misleading. Yeah, and, and maybe this instance, as unfortunate as it is, lends a little bit of caution to the the early adopters that own Teslas and yeah. they use this technology because um, it's not mandatory. You don't have to use it. These people are choosing to use it. It is a risk. You're like that's what risks are naturally inherent in being an early adopter. Um, so maybe. People use a little bit more caution, even if Tesla doesn't scale back anymore. For sure. Yeah. Cool. I, I think that will happen. Um, one more point about the early adopters. Uh, Tesla's gearing up to sell half a million cars a year in a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're m- about to move past the early adopters. Yes. And, you know, you know the, 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 the well-heeled techies who've mostly been Tesla's audience so far, yeah, they get what a beta system is. They get the system's rough. It's got limits. That's fine. They're cool with that. Uh, you know, when my mom or your mom or whoever buys a Tesla, somebody more mainstream who isn't a, a professional techie, who isn't a software person, uh, it's got to work, period, yeah, every awesome. time. Most, and, most and, beta systems usually don't involve death. So this right. is a much more yeah. serious. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your time, John. All right. Thank you. My pleasure. And that is it for us, folks. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Taylor Markerman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! <laughs>